He's a little bit taller than me right there. But he can't look down on me in the Lord. Why the need for AMS Ministries? First of all, we uh, really got to thank Josiah for doing an incredible job. That lesson he gave, I do want to say as someone who led the AMS ministry in L.A. here, uh, before we went on the mission team, one of the things that was missing was uh, the spirit of humility. And I think with Josiah's humility, I believe the AMS here in L.A. is in good hands and the entire movement. God is going to bless us with men and women like Josiah and Kristen. Why the need for AMS ministries? Well, it was... It was Albert Einstein that said, creativity is intelligence at play. So we got to be creative. Our God is a creative God. But I believe there are three reasons why we need AMS ministries, why we need to show our creativity to really change this world. The first reason is we don't want to limit the person of God. We don't want to limit the person of God. That's why we need the AMS. Number two, we don't want to limit the power of God. People from the AMS ministries are given by God a little bit more power, dare we say, to accomplish things, to do things in a creative way. And we don't want to limit the people of God because our God is limitless. He's created a life for you to live, not limit. And yet, I'm just going to reference this scripture because I thought Josiah did great teaching the principle. The Bible just says in Genesis chapter one that we were created in the image of God. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. He says he created his name. I mean, he didn't, doesn't introduce himself as Lord or King or no, I am a creator. That is who he is as a person. The person of God is creative. Are you following me right here? He introduced himself as a creator. He introduced our creation saying we were created in his image. That means we are to be like him in character. And if he introduces himself as a creator, it is sin to not be creative. Because it's removing one of the aspects of the person of God. Are, are you with me right here? Yeah. I have to crucify my bad attitude when it's an AMS ministry. AMS, no, no, no. God is creative. This isn't like something for the creative people. Let's put them in a the corner right here and let they, they can really get loose. God says, I'm creative. So you be creative. Are you with me right here? It's very powerful because in Europe, you know, they, they love to use terminology that doesn't come from the Bible. Yeah. Let me give you some. Oh, I'm an introvert. Oh, I'm an introvert. You're from Los Angeles. You're an extrovert. And I have to respond to them by saying introvert and extrovert were created by an atheist in 1949. The Bible says never be lacking in zeal. My identity comes from the word of God. Introvert and extrovert doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. You just simply don't want to use the creative ability to come up with some zeal and be like the God who is real. We don't want to limit the person of God. God is creative. A lack of creativity, I believe, is, a is removing an aspect of God from your life. We don't want to limit the power of God. Luke chapter 5, this is the only scripture I'm going to share. Luke chapter five, you guys still with me here? Yeah. You know the story, they're trying to get this guy healed up, man. They had to get creative. 
Kind of like how they had to get me saved. God got creative. He, hey, he got creative. I don't have time. I'll tell you about it tonight. It says this here in Luke chapter 5. As they're trying to get this paralytic healed, it says in verse 18, some of them came carrying a mat, carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before their favorite celebrity, Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of their favorite celebrity, Jesus. Roofs back then were made with tiles, thick mud, clay. They had to tear the roof off to get this man in front of Jesus. They had to be creative to get this man in front of Jesus. So they had to, dare we say, tear the roof off of the situation. And I believe that we as Christians sometimes can put a roof on God. And it's time for us to stop that and tear the roof off. You know, just tear the roof, break through the hope, just break through the roof, break through your ceiling. Break through. And don't limit a limitless God. That's why we need AMS ministries. Because we are individuals. We don't, we don't, have, sometimes we need some limits. And some of us, we, 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 I needed some limits. <laughs> But that's one of the reasons we need AMS ministries. We don't want to limit the power of God. We don't want God just to be defined something so specific like the Pharisees. Well, we got to be is it five, you know, five core convictions. That's it. That's all God. You know, we, 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 we got to be careful that we don't put God in a box. And lastly, we don't want to limit the people of God. The Bible just simply says that Paul says, hey, I want to win as many as possible. We, we need AMS ministries to win as many as possible. Why? The world idolizes us. The world idolizes the AMS. The world idolizes athletes, singers. So we want to win as many as possible. So we need this ministry. If you are someone who has a talent, has an ability to communicate something in a special way, vocally, athletically, digitally, whatever, creatively, Please, I plead with you. I, I don't even want to challenge you. Wow, come on, I just plead with you. It was an actor who reached out to me on my way to go to L.A. to become this big actor. And I thank God for him. But I plead with you today, don't limit the person of God. God is creative. Don't limit the power of God. Tear the roof off. And don't limit the people of God by refusing to use your talent. To sing that woman into the kingdom. To lead that man into the kingdom. To be stronger, to, to fight the tackles of the devil than you will on a football field. I appreciate our brother behind us. I better shut up. To God be the glory. Awesome. Hi, family. I'm going to talk to the ladies tonight, but brothers, you can listen too. First, I'm going to tell a story, though. So my daddy loved fishing. I didn't really like it, but I liked hanging out with him. And so when I was younger, we went a few times. And he would help to put the hook on the twine, I think it's called, and, you know, put the, put the bait on the hook and then put it out there. And we would wait, and we would wait, and we would wait. And then we'd get to the exciting part where we got a bite. So I'd be like, oh, my gosh. And we'd reel it in. 
and be so excited. And he would help me get it in the boat and take the fish off the hook. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't trying to touch it. And so, but he did it for me. And together we caught fish and it was really awesome. And as I was thinking about spiritual fishing, God is kind of the same way, right? We've all had those stories where somebody, you reach out to someone and they're like, oh my gosh, I was just praying that someone would study the Bible with me. I was just praying to get closer to God. And God threw out the bait, threw out the hook, and hooked them in, used us to hook them in, right? And we see that in the Bible in Jesus's ministry as well, the Samaritan woman, the, um, the uh, crippled man by the well, I mean, by the, by the pool in Bethesda, right? And so Jesus was very good at fishing with a pole, per se. But we also see another type of fishing in the Bible. And if you could write down, ladies, Matthew 13, verse 47 and 48, it says, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. We see them fishing in the Bible with a net often, right? The disciples as well. We know Jesus spiritually fished with a net because that's what the Sermon on the Mount was. That's what the, the speech to, to all his followers in Luke 14 was, right? And so we see Jesus fishing with a net. But it's really awesome because we as a church are so good at fishing with a pole. We are so good about individually fishing and bringing people in that way. But we have a little ways to go in fishing with a net. And guess what the biggest net is? The internet. The internet, okay? And so we need to know that God has allowed us to have the internet so that we could mimic Jesus's ministry in a very specific way. And the way we personally can do that is social media. And so really quickly, I wanna give you answers to the three most popular questions that I get as far as how do I use social media for God? Number one, why can't I be more specific? I'm, I'm sorry, number one, why can't I be more consistent? I think this is the difference between having a desire to post and a conviction to post. Do you just use social media or do you have a conviction that you need to evangelize and realize that this is a tool to be the most impactful and the most effective at that? Because if you share your faith for an hour, you can reach 30, 40, 50 people maybe. But if you spend an hour to make a video, then you may only reach 10 people. But over time, you're going to reach 30, 40, 50, 500, 5,000, 10,000. If you're Josiah, you're going to reach 5 million, right? That hour can go so much longer. And that is that many more people that heard the good news of God. If we all walked out and made a video once a week, the world would get evangelized very quickly, very quickly. Number two, how do I start? How do I start? Document your life. Gary Vee said too many people start out teaching when they should be documenting. We all have a personal brand and when you live your brand, your life is content. 
And so document your life, life and doctrine. Show them your life so they're interested in your doctrine. And if you don't know what to post, just start posting. Use your voice to find your voice. It may not be pretty at first, but you're going to keep finding your voice the more you use it. And last thing, does my page need to be spiritual? I love that Josiah uh, taught on this, but when you are building a platform, when you are building an audience, you are building a fishing pool that you can then fish in. So why would you spend all of this time, all of this money, all of this effort to build a pool of people that are not interested in hearing about God, that don't expect to hear about God, right? So does your page need to be spiritual? I believe it does. Now, does it need to be all preaching the word? No, it can be something and, right? So a hook that they want and God. <laughs> right? I love like fashion and God, music and God, sports and God, confidence and God, right? Whatever it is, but build your fishing pool in a way that they are ready and willing to hear about God from you. In closing, one piece of content can change somebody's entire life. We have a sister here that her name is Taylor and uh, her sister followed me on Instagram, sent her one of my Instagram videos. From there, Taylor went to my website, filled out a form to study the Bible. I saw that she was in Orlando. So I connected her with Sonia Klopek and over Zoom, Sonia and I studied the Bible with her during the pandemic. Taylor ended up getting baptized and her and her husband, Alan, are sitting here today. honestly don't even know what video that was. But what I do know is some video that I made led to Taylor being saved. And so for you ladies, you don't know what piece of content you make is going to change somebody's whole eternity. I love you and to God be the glory. It's a lot of y'all in here. Um, okay, so good afternoon. Do I have any vocalists in the room? A couple? Okay, amen. Well, I'm super fired up to, to share with you all today. The title of my short charge today is uh, The Spirit to Use Your Voice for Song Leading. So I was really confused, right? Because I looked at Josiah, I was like, Josiah, there's a song leading workshop, but I'm talking about song leading in the AMS session. What do I talk about? He said, sis, just share your conviction. So I prayed this morning for the, where the vocalists are? So I prayed for you this morning. I prayed for you and I said, God, tell me what to share. And so I have a message for you and for me. Um, let's go to Amos chapter six. So I'm not going to talk to you about getting up on stage and song leading at church. I'm going to talk about using your voice to lead people to Christ. Um, the definition of lead is to be a means or access to a particular place or direction. So God has given you your voice, sisters, to lead people and to give them access to the kingdom of God. Kind of similar to the nation of Israel. When God chose the nation of Israel, he chose them with the plan for them to be a light to the nations, to be a light to the world so that the surrounding nations could know who God was. But if you've read your Old Testament, you know that they struggled 
sometimes, several times, most of the time, amen. And so I read this this morning in Amos chapter 6, and I was just very convicted by God's heart. In verse 1, it says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Jump down to verse 3. You put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on the choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. So the issue is, is that God is concerned. He says, you're secure, you're comfortable, you're notable, you're talented, you're skilled, you're happy, you're having a good time, you're prosperous, but you're completely disconnected from how desolate the house of Israel is. Are you aware of how desolate the house of Israel is today? So when I was reading this, I read an ESV version, and it says that instead of improvising on musical instruments, it said that they were singing idol songs. And this concept of idol, it comes up again in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, and it's when Paul warns the church. He says, warn those who are idle. Idol does not necessarily mean you're not doing anything. Idol means you're doing everything but the one thing that matters. And so what is the one thing that mattered? The one thing that mattered is that they were concerned with the nation of Israel. They were not concerned with the spiritual realities of what was going on. So how did God feel? If you go back to chapter five, it says that God said, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river of righteousness, like the never failing stream. The only thing that mattered to God was not their songs. And consider this, before that, he's talking about their religious, te- their religious ceremonies. He's saying, you guys are worshiping me. You're singing to me. You're playing your instruments. But the only thing that I'm looking for is where's the justice? Where is the, the, the rivers of God? Where are the souls that are being brought in? He says, I don't want to hear your songs. Where are the souls? And so the, the heart behind being a song leader is getting the heart of someone understanding that the only reason why God is giving you your voice is to save souls. It is not to make your project. It is not to build your own kingdom. It is not to become famous. It is to seek and to save the lost. And you're quiet, so I'm concerned. You know what I'm saying? I'm concerned. I, Josiah preached, but there weren't enough people cheering because I'm concerned. Do we understand our identity in Christ? Are you out of rank, sisters? Are you using your gifts for what you should? So I have uh, some practicals. <laughs> I have some practicals for us, okay? Um, So how can you be a song leader as a disciple, right, in the AMS? First practical, know your identity. You are not a vocalist, you are a warrior. You are not a vocalist, you are a warrior, hard-fighting soldier. You are a warrior. Your voice is your instrument to wage war and to lead women to the waters of baptism. That is your identity. Second practical, understand God's function for your gift. The only reason you have your gift 
is to lead women to Christ. I think of the Levites. They led in battle. God put the singers in the front, not to have a good time and to have fun with each other, but to spur on the nation of Israel to win the war. We are in war. Practical number three, make yourself nothing. You cannot build God's kingdom and yours at the same time. Practical number four, stop people pleasing. You cannot worship God and man at the same time. And the last practical is be intentional. When you have your gigs, pray before. Pray to meet someone. Pray to meet the one soul that God has sent you there to seek and to save the lost. And I'm confident that as we put this into practice, sisters, we can go out and save the world as song leaders. I love you so much. Thank you for letting me share. Well, good afternoon, family. I'm Jonathan Franklin. Josiah, thanks for you for letting me into the AMS today. And I've been charged with the spirit of being an athlete for Christ. Um, and many times when you think about why people want to be an athlete, it's to compete, to win games. Some wants to leave a legacy, their marks. Other may want to become an athlete to win a Super Bowl ring. Um, but when they're connected with those reasons, the process of striving to achieve those goals is easier and worth it. And today, during my charge, I really want to focus on how do we develop that spirit of being an athlete for Christ? And where does it come from? Uh, but before we think about how, we have to connect with the why. Because if we lose sight of the why, the process of how will never matter. And having the spirit of being an athlete for Christ is, is significant because it allows you to be unified with Christ. It gives you a platform to save souls because your life is displayed for others to watch and see you transformed over time. And it ultimately leads us to victory, which means being in heaven. But let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's see how do we develop this spirit of being an athlete for Christ. Verse 1, it says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. And Peter is writing here to the Roman prov provinces of the Asia Minor, and he's talking about suffering. And we see suffering is connected to having the same attitude of Christ and desiring the will of God. And this suffering isn't necessarily a physical pain, it isn't a beating or a flogging, but it's an internal battle against one's flesh and sinful nature. In verse one it says, whoever suffers in the body. In the NLT it says, be ready to suffer. In the message version it says, think of your sufferings, it's plural. And these aren't past tense, it doesn't ind indicate an endpoint, a timeline, an expiration, but actually an, it's defined as ongoing and continuous. This process of suffering is saying no to the things you want to say yes to. The suffering is loving and forgiving that brother and sister that may have hurt you multiple of times. It's the suffering through rema remaining holy and obedient when the former comforts of the world is calling you back and trying to get you to compromise because your life has you in an uncomfortable position and it doesn't feel good. The suffering is, is experienced by trusting God when you want something right now and he hasn't given, to it, gave, given it to you yet. You know, and as an athlete, you train not to feel good in the moments, but you put yourself in extreme circumstances. You create environments to test and break your limits. Why? 
to develop a mindset of mental toughness, to establish an identity of greatness, to remove what's preventing you from becoming the best version of you. And family, the reality is it's the suffering that we go through that is the training grounds that's needed to develop a spirit to become an athlete for Christ. Obeying God when it means suffering, ridicule, or rejection will instantly strengthen us spiritually. And my question is, how have you been responding to your suffering? You know, I'm entering my seventh season with the Los Angeles Rams. And as I look back, I wasn't always an athlete for Christ. I was living in this world of sports and I was being an athlete for Jonathan. My own glory, my comfort, my desires. I said yes to the things I wanted to say yes to. And I compromised because I didn't want to go through the things that God has put, positioned me in to lean on my faith. I feared if I stood for God, my career will shift and opportunities will disappear. My network of building relationships of influential people will decrease. And because of that mindset, there was no suffering. It was no suffering. There was no transformation in my heart and in my life. And that led me to hurt many people, some even in this room, not shine a light necessary for God and not being a witness for people that God placed on my path. And I had to ask myself the question, why do I do what I do? Is it for the audience of Jonathan, the world, or is the audience for one, which is God? I had to connect back to my why and allow me to shift my decisions and trust the process of suffering, knowing that it produces what's necessary in my life. And thus far, as I look back last week, one of my colleagues was able to come out to Bible talk, him and his wife. And we have an upcoming luncheon with our entire organization, our players, our top sponsors, and our vice president asked me to pray, giving me an opportunity to confess my faith in, in front of the entire Rams organization. You see, the suffering has produced a renewed lifestyle, a holiness, an obedience in the midst of being in a world of wickedness and corruption. We may not, we may not all be athletes, but there's a game that there's a battle that God wants us on and he wants us on his team. We have to trust that the victory comes through the suffering and the suffering produces the spirit for we all can be a true athlete for Christ. To God be the glory. Hi family, my name is Kristen Smith. Um, and I'm honored to lead the AMS Los Angeles under and alongside my incredible husband, Josiah Smith. That was an awesome lesson, babe. Um, my charge this afternoon is the spirit of being an example. You know, I, I want to have a heart to heart with the sisters. Do you know, sisters, that you have the potential to be some of the most lethal and fruitful disciples in the kingdom of God? Like, do you know that? Are you aware that you have a secret weapon in God's kingdom? You are fluent in the universal language of the arts. You can literally connect with someone and make someone cry without saying a word. Do you know how powerful that is? How powerful you can be for God. And so God has chosen you and I, me, us, 
for a secret mission to seek and save the lost, but most, more specifically, the creatively rich. A lot of scriptures come to mind. I want to share Matthew 5, 14 through 16. The Bible reads, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You know, Jesus never challenged us to become the light. He simply said, we are the light. And so we are either fulfilling or failing that God-given responsibility. You know, a lot of people misinterpret this scripture as a scripture about uh, hiding your talents. It's not really saying that. If you look closer and if you just think about it, Jesus is the light of the world, right? He was the perfect beacon of truth. And we are called to walk as Jesus did. Jesus never danced. He never sang, right? This isn't a scripture about hiding your talents. This, my sisters, is a scripture about hiding your holiness. Don't put Jesus under a bowl. That's what this is saying. Do you understand that? We have to stop hiding Jesus under a bull. You know, in 2019, it was the top of my career. I hosted a syndicated, nationally syndicated show on Fox. I can't sing, I can't dance. My talent is creating moments on live television. That's all I can do. <laughs> That's my only artistic talent. But uh, that year, I interviewed many celebs. It was the most money I've ever made in my entire life. 10 minute commute, it's the happiest I've ever been. The happiest I had ever felt up until that point. And, you know, ironically, it's the only year in my discipleship that I wasn't fruitful. Only year out of my 11 years. I was shining my talents but hiding my holiness. Thankfully, my show got canceled and I got the opportunity to repent of my idolatry. Once I realized my idolatry, my repentance was to crush my idol. I made peace with never being on TV again. I did the work in the scriptures until I didn't need television anymore. Some of you need your craft too much. You could want your craft. You shouldn't need your craft. You don't need anything but God. And what I did, I applied for a job in the medical device sales industry. I learned how to sell defibrillators and chest compression systems. It was great. <laughs> thankfully, God, the long version of this story is really good. I'm going to show you the short version because I got to go. But uh, thankfully, God was very gracious in calling me back into the entertainment industry. Around the same time, he opened the door to go into the full-time ministry. And I am able to now serve full-time in the ministry and the entertainment industry with a completely changed heart. You know... Jesus knew, my sisters, that there would be a strong temptation for his disciples to hide their light. He knew this. Because when you shine your light, all of a sudden people can see you. And you know what comes with visibility? Persecution. I want to lift up Shan really quickly. A lot of you know her God empowerment platform. But do you know she gets vicious perse persecution? Vicious. And Shan, I want to lift you up for doing it anyway. If I could have my AMS Los Angeles sisters stand up, my AMS LA. 
These women have baptized their closets. These women have lost followers and changed their content and answered the call to be holy and set apart. And I am so proud of you. Sisters, I challenge you to buy in to being a light. We must be spiritual women first, modest, righteous, close to God. So once we hook them with our talents, right, our lives can actually lead women to Christ. I have two practicals. Quickly, study out the book of Esther. You know Esther means the star? Get a deep conviction on the only reason that you've been gifted your talents. My second practical, plan your one-two punch. Here's how I'm going to make my talent visible. Boom. And then once I do, here's how I'm going to hook them with the truth. Boom. Right? How am I going to make my talents visible? How am I going to then hook them with the truth, the word of God? And lastly, six months ago, I was able to interview an incredible woman on the CBS News. I set up a dinner date at a really trendy spot in Hollywood. She quickly became one of my best friends. I shared my whole life with her. I invited her into my life. She got to know my husband and my kids and my friends and everything I do. Thankfully, and by the grace of God, we were able to get in some Bible studies. And I asked her to study the Bible after she got to see my life. She said, yes, please, I want to study the Bible. Because I had already won her over with my life and the word of my own testimony. She studied the Bible and now she is your sister in Christ. Her name is Eris Davis. She's on her way right now because her flight was delayed. But sisters, this is the fruit that can come from the spirit of being an example. I love you so much, and to God be the glory. Well, good afternoon, family. I bring you greetings from the Southeast Asia family of churches. My name is Hugo Sanchez from the Guam Church, and I've been given the charge, the spirit of capturing God's creation through photography. Amen. So our current society is marked by an insatiable consumption of digital media. In the world, it gets to the point of addiction, and sometimes even for disciples. However, we as disciples can take something so often used for sin and baptize it and use it to advance God's kingdom. The Bible says in John 13, 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The love that we have for each other in the kingdom has to be seen. It is a command by Jesus Christ. For many of us, when we initially came to church, the very first thing that we noticed was the love of the disciples. And photography is an opportunity for us to reach the people that are just spending time staring at their screens instead of their Bibles. As they scroll unendingly through pointless things on social media that are only there to distract them. They may pause and come across one of our posts. They'll see the genuine laughing faces of disciples in the fellowship. Our joy as we sing songs to our creator. The look of peace on that person coming out of the waters of baptism. Yeah. 
as a new creation. They'll begin to crave what we have. They'll want to know why these people they're looking at are so joyful. I don't think we realize just how blessed we are to have photography and other forms of media. Imagine people having it in the days of the prophets and Jesus. Moses, knowing that he won't make it to the promised land, but at least, at least he's going to get a photo of it. Peter, every five minutes, taking a selfie with Jesus. So, what do you mean I didn't walk on water? Here's the photos. This joy that we have in our lives, this privilege to be disciples in God, King, God's kingdom is not something that we can keep to ourselves. We have to spread it to the rest of the world. And media is a powerful tool that we can use to accomplish this. Our church in Guam has seen the fruit of this. One of our brothers named Ju Young found the church on social media, saw the love of the disciples, came out to church, and was baptized. He then went back to South Korea for months, remained faithful, and came back to Guam. How many other churches must have similar stories? And we know that God made everything. Even the things that people made that know nothing about God. God had a hand in that. So photography is a tool created by God. And it should be used as such. Use it to advance his kingdom. Do not let it go to waste. All of our churches need photos. And we all carry around cameras in our pockets. We take plenty of photos every single day. However, convenience can lead us to something that we photographers like to call spray and pray. We take photos just to do it. But 2 Corinthians 8-7 reminds us that we should excel in everything. There should be someone in each church dedicated to taking photos and making them excellent. If you take photos for your church, strive to grow in this area. Do research, practice, get better at your craft so that you can show God's beauty and its best light. When a photographer takes photos, 10 out of every 100 might see the light of day. We should be selective in how we show the kingdom to the world. My challenge to us is this, contribute to showing the love of the disciples by taking and sharing photos of the fellowship, of church, Bible studies, the service, devos, whatever it may be. These days, we're all photographers for ourselves, but how many are taking photos for God? If you have an eye for it or even a desire to serve the kingdom in this way, this is your time to step up. Become the photographer for your church. If you have a camera, use it for the kingdom. Everything that we have belongs to God. If you don't own one, then start with your phone and look for a way to get a camera. Help fill the desolate, sinful place that social media is with the beauty of God's creation through photography. I love you all and to God be all the glory. Well, my name is Kalia Campbell, and I'm from the AMS ministry in the New York City. Yes. 
And the title of my charge is The Spirit of Performance. And I just want to share some of my convictions as a performer with some of the sisters, all of the sisters today. So I looked up what performance means, and the word performance means the execution of an action. As disciples who have been called to use our talents for God, we should strive for excellence because God deserves our excellence. A lot of what we see when we see performances is the result, right? But there is a lot that happens behind and that goes into the ability to execute with impact. So that is two things, the preparation, two things, preparation and intention. Turn your Bibles to Psalms 51, 10. But before we read that scripture, I want to tell you the definition of preparation. So the pre preparation, the action of making something ready for use or service or of getting ready for some occasion, test, or duty of process. I love this definition because as disciples of Jesus, everything we do is of service to God and others. So Psalms 51.10 in the ESV version says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. The first aspect of preparation is prayer, right? Prayer not only sets our hearts and our minds on what it is we are about to do, but who we are about to do it for. I love this scripture because David prayed for God to renew his heart. Before discipleship, I would always pray before I performed, but it became nothing but a ritual. Um, behind the prayer was a heart that really wanted self-glorification because of my insecurities. But this scripture is an example of the heart we should desire. We want God to create a right spirit in us, which is to glorify him. So ladies, how is your heart? I want to challenge, I want to challenge you, you ladies to do a heart check. Are we, wanting glorify, are we wanting glorification for ourselves? Or are we eagerly wanting to a heart change so that God can have a right spirit to be able to worship God? So we can have a right spirit to be able to worship God. The first, the second aspect of preparation is the physical, right? In Exodus 35, 30 through 33, it says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skill to make artistic design for work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic craft. God wanted Bezalel to help build a place where God can dwell with great skill and care. I love this verse because where it says it, in verse 31 it says, and he has filled him with his spirit filled him with the spirit of God. We see here that being skilled is having the spirit of God. When I experience any type of performance, right, it is encouraging to witness someone being skilled at what they do. Being skilled doesn't just come, we have to cultivate it. This cultivation includes warming up before you perform, right? This, um, how are you? How are you with your instruments, body, voices, musical instruments, are we warming up and taking care? Are we relying on our talent just to get through? You, 
Your performance in worship will enhance by pre preparing in this way and that much more glorifying to God. Cultivate your talent so that when you perform, you are presented as skilled and glorify God. The second point I want to touch on is intention. And an important element in a performance is the exchange between the artist and the viewer, right? The most memorable performances that I've experienced is when the artist researches and puts thought behind what it is they are doing to deliver impactfully. Whether it's pulling from your own experiences or someone else's, the process takes hard work. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. A performance that creates impact requires all of you. Your heart, your mind, your strength, and soul as this is glorifying to God and will bring many others to know God. So when it comes to having the spirit of performance, let's prepare and be intentional so that we can, what 2 Timothy 3, 17 says, be thoroughly equipped for every good work. To God be the glory. You guys alive out there? You guys wanna go home? Oh, wow, you guys wanna go home? Turn your Bibles to John chapter five. John chapter 5. My name is Paul Busari, and with my lovely, beautiful, five-month pregnant wife, Rebecca Busari, right there, we lead, not the AMS, but the East Region of the London International Christian Church. But before that, we led the AMS region. Amen. You know, the title of my charge this afternoon is the spirit of influencing others for Christ. As my father in the faith, Michael Williamson, would say, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. The world says the greatest influencers are people like Kylie Jenner, Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart. But to me, the greatest influence I've ever known is not Dwayne Johnson. It's not Kylie Jenner, it's Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the line of the tribe of Judah. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who's there. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who's there. This is our God. He is a great influencer. And the fact that we're here today, is signs of his impact and influence in our lives. Napoleon, he's considered one of the greatest and most influential military commanders of his time. One said this about Jesus. I know men, and I tell you, Jesus was not any man. Between him and every other person in the world, there's no possible term of comparison. Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of millions of men 
would die for him. Would you die for Christ? The famous author and historian H.G. Wells says, I'm a historian and I'm not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that penniless preacher of Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of the history of mankind. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure of all of history. But to what does Jesus credit his eternal impact? To what principle does Jesus credit his great influence? John 5. You know, today I want to talk about an issue that I believe hinders the AMS ministries. As an AMS disciple, I can say it. In verse 19, Jesus answered them, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father has done, does the son also. Imitation. By raise of hands, who's been fruitful this past year? Awesome. One of our greatest struggles in the AMS ministries is that we can be highly opinionated on what we should do, but highly unfruitful. Highly opinionated, but highly inactive in the work of Jesus Christ. Because we're so creative, there's always a desire to recreate the wheel. Not for God's glory, but for our own. But I put it before you. Was that not the very reason why Satan was cast down to this earth? I want to persuade you this afternoon that it's deeply demonic, absolutely satanic, to create for your own glory. Jesus makes it clear here. You cannot influence others for Christ if you yourself have not been influenced by Christ. You know, some here may be listening to this church and to the incredible sermons that we've heard and still leave unchanged. Because influence and being influenced is a decision. It's a decision. Take a moment to think about your level of impact. As a disciple, I'll give you a couple more seconds. There's a direct connection to how much you're willing to be influenced. Can your leader influence the way you dress? I so appreciate the LA sisters who've baptized their wardrobe, amen. I mean, why have they been so fruitful? Why have they been so abundantly fruitful in LA, in the AMS? Because they're willing to be influenced. You don't need to clap. Can your leader influence who you marry? Can it influence who you date? Or is that new teaching? Is that foreign? We are not AMS disciples. We are disciples full stop. You are not your gift. That's not who you are. 
You are a disciple who God has blessed with a gift. You all think I'm here to pick a fight. And I am. I believe things only change when people are hardline. I believe in the AMS ministry. I got baptized through the AMS ministry. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe the AMS ministry can be what the world is looking for. Being able to express their heart's desire, express their talent, their gifting, but not have to compromise for it. To be in a place where they can create and not have to sell themselves for it. Wouldn't that be awesome? That every single creative can come to the kingdom and know that they don't need to compromise the purity of their talents. I believe in the AMS ministry with all of my heart. But there's an independence, a pride, an autonomous spirit that must be put to death today. I really want to lift up Franklin and Jessica Ndoyen, the AMS leaders in London. Although they're celebrities in their own right, extremely talented in their own right, they've allowed themselves to be influenced. And what has happened? Well, the 3rd of April, Romaine Dixon, a Dior model, gets baptized in London National Christian Church. Obina Ahurugu, the older brother of Britain's most decorated Olympic Commonwealth champion, gets baptized in the London Church. 7th of April, Michaela Johnson, a talented singer and spoken word artist, gets baptized in London National Christian Church. 19th of June, Lem, a 1400 track star and producer, musician, gets baptized into London Church. 26th of June, Winston, a drummer, gets baptized in the church. 10th of July, Nico, a boxer, gets baptized into the church. Matas, a carpenter, gets baptized into the church. 24th of July, Ola, a professional actor, gets baptized into the church. A week after the 31st of July, Jeannie, another professional actor, gets baptized in the kingdom of God. The 7th of August, Dylan, gets baptized in the kingdom of God as a semi-professional football player. If you want to be someone who influences others for Christ, if you truly want to be that kind of individual, you first must be influenced by Christ. The challenge is simple. Imitate Jesus. Imitate Jesus. And to God be all the glory.